Welcome to the Building Texas Business Podcast. Interviews with thought leaders and organizational visionaries from across industry. Join us as we talk about the latest trends, challenges, and growth opportunities to take your business to the next level. The Building Texas Business Podcast is brought to you by Boyer Miller, providing counsel beyond expectations. Find out how we can make a meaningful difference to your business at BoyerMiller.com. And by your podcast team, where having your own podcast is as easy as being a guest on ours. Discover more at yourpodcast.team. Now here's your host, Chris Hanslick. In today's episode, you will meet Josh Jacobs, the co-founder and CEO of the Blue Ox Group, and hear how he was inspired by the fable of Paul Bunyan, the larger-than-life lumberjack, who could achieve the impossible to start his company in June of 2020 in the middle of the pandemic, and how that helped set the foundation for his company and its core values. Josh, I want to welcome you onto the show. Thanks for taking time to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited about it. Very grateful for the opportunity. So, you know, kind of want to get started right in it. I know you, know, you now are the, the, the co-founder CEO of Blue Ox. Tell the audience, what is Blue Ox? What is it known for? Uh, sure. Just introduce us to your company. Yeah. So I know it's a very unique name. I'll talk about Blue Ox in a second. We, you know, the name came from a story of Paul Bunyan. And my wife and I spent a lot of time thinking up names. And we probably put down a hundred and something names on this list of, of names. And I hired a branding agency and we kind of pulled into this direction. But what I really loved about it was that we, it's a story about a guy who's larger than life. He's a lumberjack, right? He has this friend, Babe the Blue Ox, that he found in the snow. And it's a fable. It's just a fun story about doing great things. He did things that were larger than life, that were incredible. But together, they did, you know, they worked together. And I really loved the idea of the teamwork that I think an ox represents hard work in any culture. Sure. Right. And so for me, that was one of the things that to me is a big piece of my being and how I do business. And it allowed us to have, you know, core values essentially set up by this story to a certain extent, right? They're, they worked their tails off. They were friends. They were honest with each other. They trusted each other. And Together, they could do you know amazing things. So I really love the story, and I love that it turned into core values, essentially, and I hire and fire by core values. As I think everyone should, assuming you develop true values, right, that mean right. something to your organization. Right. And so it's, it is a, it's a unique name. I didn't want my name on the door. You know, it was one of those things that's trying to be something not just me, not just Josh. Right. And it allowed me to do that. And I think, you know, the other thing is kind of my quirky sense of humor, right, is who doesn't like a mascot, right? Right. It's fun to go create personality in a brand, which we haven't done a great job yet, but we're working toward. And I'm really excited about what we can do with the brand. You know, like I said, I have these um, incredible women that helped me create the brand and I'm forever in their debt. Well, so I love that story. What I love about it, it is a story. And you can, just by someone asking you what, why the blue ox or why the logo, you get to launch into what you just did. Yeah. That is, tells a little bit about you as a person, which is deep and thoughtful. 
and it shows how it naturally leads to talking about your core values right. uh, for your organization. And it's funny because we do the the same. We rebranded the firm in 2009. We have the five. We have a column, and there's five pieces to the column. And each represents one of our core values. And when they developed our business card, the company we used put a notch in the side of the business card that looks like the end of the column. Mm-hmm. And every time you hand someone one of our business cards, they ask about the notch because it's so unique and it allows us to tell the story about our core values. I love that. Just naturally, right? Just like you just did. So that's mm-hmm. wonderful. Thank I totally you. relate to that. Yeah. And for me, it's, you know, you know, business is about more than just you yourself and just work, right? There's other components of that. So the story is fun. And it, it, you know, for me, it's all about work-life balance as well. This came, the, the name Blue Ox originally when my wife and I put on the list was because we love to ski. And there's a run in Colorado called Blue Ox where I grew up in Massachusetts. North of there, there was a run called, so, I, you know, just something that's been around me for a long time. Lots of parallels. A lot of parallels. Okay. So that's how the name came up. Sure. Tell us what is Blue Ox? What does it do? What's it known for in this community? So we're known for our retail real estate expertise. We do four things, really, essentially. We do tenant representation, retail tenants, restaurants, things like that. Landlord representation for shopping centers. We don't really do any other type of landlord representation. Investment sales. We And that's probably the biggest piece of our business right now is selling cash-flowing real estate or vacant real estate that's user-oriented on the retail restaurant side. So it's a niche business. Okay. And then we do quite a bit of land and land subdivision, development land, things that will go to an end user, you know, restaurants, shopping center, multifamily, industrial, things like that. Maybe we're breaking up 50, 75, 100-acre tracks, maybe five-acre tracks, things like that. Okay. So pretty full service across every sector of real estate. Yeah, but we're a boutique, we're definitely a boutique firm, and we're not full service in the sense that we don't do you know multifamily development or we don't do industrial development. We do develop and work with developers and own real estate on the retail and land side. So we're full service in that aspect. Okay, yeah, very good. So what inspired you to start Blue Ox? Well, part of it was out of necessity. I mean, I've started another company twelve years ago with partners, and we had a great run, but it was time to separate and kind of do my own thing. And, you know, for me, the downturn in COVID, we started this, I started this June of 2020. So this was literally during, you know, right after quarantine. And it was important to get it started and started right. There weren't many people starting new ventures in June of 2020. No, sir. No, sir. And I'm not sure that was the brightest move in the world. But at the end of the day, it was the best thing that ever happened to me, in all honesty. And I'm incredibly grateful because I have an amazing team of people that I've been able to put together. We have 10 people and just an incredible talent. And so that's been fun. But doing it during that time was a crazy time. And But it was needed. I needed to do it. I needed to do it on my own. This time I have no partners in it, so it's very important, you know, to for me to have, start, have started that and kind of grow it from there. So, you know, you've said twice now that you can, you, it was time or you needed to do it. What was it that kind of bubbled up inside you and said, I, this is the time? Because I've got to guess there's people listening and maybe having some of those same feelings or wondering if those sure. feelings are what they are. Yeah, sure. What was it for you? Sure. I was in another business that I had amazing talented partners, but we were looking at things in different through different lenses. And it was time for me to really go out and start my own. You know, someone once told me that you can't have co-captains in leadership. And in, 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 
the essence of it is that we're all looking at things a little different way. It had different intents and different goals. Right. And for me, that was what I needed in order. That's sort of what inspired me to basically do this. And that moment was just the right moment in time, right? But right. it would. This has been going on probably for six, seven, eight years. It wasn't sure. an overnight thing. So it's unique that you started a new business venture literally in the in the middle of a pandemic, and it didn't relate to PPE equipment or anything related. I didn't get any PPP money, right? Or, or but yeah. it didn't. You didn't start a company. PPP, Some people yeah. started companies to make hand sanitizers <laughs> or masks, but this was real estate, commercial real estate. What we're looking at it now, you know, I guess now almost two years in the mirror. What we're some of the biggest challenges to starting a company in June of 2020? I mean, there's so many challenges. There was no business, number one. It was very hard. But the nice thing is that there was, the business was slow. And, you know, finding the resources, you know, for me, that was, you know, a component of it that made it difficult. But it all, it's kind of the biggest success, biggest challenge kind of thing, right? I was able to start a company in 30 days that no one would have been able to, to really pull off that quickly. And part of it was through relationships that I had, branding, IT, web development, all of the components that helped me, you know, get this thing started. But it's, it's very hard to do, and it's not for the faint of heart. Right. For well, sure. it, it, you bring up a good point. And they, they were probably all a little slow in their work as well, so you had their attention. So, yeah, something that is unique about that. Okay, so you start in the middle of the pandemic. How did how'd you go about building this team? So... You know, at that time when, we, when I left the company, a couple of other people were leaving also. And so they were going to come with me. And so it was necessary to a certain extent to start quickly because everybody was in limbo. Right. And that's not a fun place for anybody to be, including myself. I had a lot of sleepless nights, you know, thinking through this, getting it up and running. I mean, it's hard. Sure. And I don't want to, you know, say that it's not because I think anybody who's gone through those emotions of starting a business and being an entrepreneur, it is not an easy task. But it was imperative. It was imperative for me to get it going, get it started right. People were relying on me to do that, and myself included, right? Yeah, then you know, you emphasize a good point. If it were easy, anybody could do it. It's not. It's uh, not. And you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of risk, right? There is a lot of risk. So, with that in mind, and you, you mentioned core values. What kind of what are the values of the firm, and how have sure. you gone about instilling those in the team and making sure those values are real? And alive. Yeah, I, I, well, great question. I, I'll gladly read them to you, but they instill basic traits, right? And I, part of it is really hiring based on traits that you believe in anyway. A lot of this comes from my gut and just yeah. what I believe, just core to, to the core. It's not, I don't want to be someone different. I want to, li- I want to walk in the office and love what I do and love the people I work with. It's very simple. So if I believe those certain things and they believe certain things, we should be okay. And so part of it is be resilient to the challenge we face. So be able to, you know, if you fall down, get up, yeah. right? Don't just, you know, wallow in, you know, in something that you can't control. You know, have an outlook and a for, see forever attitude that you can, you, you know, be, ha- have a positive outlook on life. Be, you know, look at challenges, face the challenges and succeed, right? If you fall down, get up. If, you know, don't be afraid to ask questions, the, the, that kind of thing. And strive for excellence. At the end of the day, we want to be not the biggest. We want to be the best at what we do. Yeah. Just like you guys, right? You're not the yeah. biggest, but you're unbelievable at what you do. And you can honestly and confidently say that. We like I, want to have so. that. I want to have that ability, right? Yeah. I want to have that. I want people to say, hey, Blue Ox Group, they're really good at what they do. 
if that's all we get, you know, to me, that's a win. Yeah. Great at what they do. Reliable. I mean, I think you probably heard me say here about our firm, we're, we're not trying to be the biggest. We just want to be the best in everything yes. we do. Yes. So, so you said you hire from those. And I, I don't know if you've had to fire yet in the no. two years. Well, that's Luckily, good. Luckily, no. <laughs> but you, you clearly gauge behaviors and performance can, as it relates to those values from what I'm hearing you Absolutely. Say. Yes. And I, I think they drive the culture. So re- really culture, it's either you have it or you don't have it to a certain extent. Right. Everybody has a way they go about business. Everybody's different in their own right. And that's okay. It's good to be different. We, why would you have... Why would you have employees if they didn't have different skill sets than you also, right? That's right. So part of it is, you know, empowering them to do the job that they can do and not micromanaging for me and letting them kind of just go. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a key component to our success is having the, the right people. And I have not had to fire, luckily. That's yet, great. And I hope never to have Congratulations. to do that. Thank you. I have in previous, you know, lives, sure. obviously. But, you know, I think outlining it more clearly. I think that's the, the the benefit of starting a new company is that you can learn from the things that you failed to do before and do them better, whether they're right or wrong. I don't know. I'm still growing. Potentially, we change those. Right. right? Well, it's or a journey, right? right? It's a journey. And it's, I think it's constantly evolving. And as our team grows and gets you know, you know more seasoned together, we're going to have that ability to grow that and, and maybe change these. We talk about it openly. Not my core values it has to be all of our core values. Sure. At the end of the day, I did start it, so I had the ability to jump in front of it. But we created these together. That's great. Yeah, yeah. you're right. There, there has to be an adoption and full buy-in of the values for them to be institutionalized. Yeah, but uh, if someone's not doing, you know, if they're if they're you know not trying to be the best that they can be, just you know, one of the challenges we're in a brokerage firm, right? So. Um, there's people that do things for money that may not be the right thing. Well, that doesn't go to our core value. That's an easy one, right? Of course. To say, hey, that doesn't work for me and you can't be here anymore. Right. But I hope never to have that. We talk about it a lot, so that shouldn't happen. But that's an easy one to, you know, to pin, pin it. So you mentioned a minute ago that you kind of had started this company maybe trying to learn from prior failures. For sure. I always like to ask my guests, what are... What is a one or two failure that setback that you've encountered in your professional career? And it, it could be in starting Blue Ox, maybe it was before then, but if you can pick one or two examples for us, kind of what it was it, what did you learn from it, and how did it make you better in the leader and entrepreneur you are today? Well, I think that's a really tough question for me. I don't feel like I've had any major failures in life, luckily, thank goodness. A, a deep one, I would say, this may be a little off what you're saying, but a deep one is maybe for me not thinking big enough about what I was doing originally. And I can get back into that one. You know, the easy one to say is on a partnership level, you know, what I did right and did wrong. You know, not setting specific expectations for partners was a big problem yeah. at the end of the day. And not surprising we see that a lot. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do. Well, and, and having those advanced roles and responsibilities would have helped clear a lot of things up that probably would have solved a lot of things. And so to me, that's probably the biggest failure I have. And I hate to say that because I had great partners, really good people, and that are super successful in their own right. Just, you know, that, that, that those things happen if you're not set up well, in I, advance. Yeah. We all grew. You know, the truth is we're all young. We were growing. Yeah, right? people and people evolve and change. And so I think where you were 10, 12 years out when you started to where you were a decade later, yeah. people evolve and change. It doesn't make them bad people. It just wasn't time to be partners Absolutely anymore. right. And, and as I recall, that 
you were able to exit on fairly amicable terms. Absolutely. And, uh, and you know, said, learn from that. And I think that's, if anything I could say about that, the, these failures, I know that's why you ask these questions, because people can learn from these failures so, so well. You know, again, it goes to that, what I said earlier, no captain, no co-captains in leadership. You know, someone, you know, you know, really taught me that early on and got to me and I, you know, something I should have done a better job of. So that's a big failure. Going back to the not thinking big enough thing, I think one of my personal you know, things that I, I think about a lot and seeing, you know, people that are super successful. I think I've done great. And, you know, it's, I mean, I started from nothing, Chris. So like from you know, where I am today to where I started, I mean, I, thank goodness it, it's worked out. But I really was always very conservative in the way I approached everything, not to fail, not to set go set back. I didn't have far to set back early on. So I should have right. taken more risk. I, you I know? can relate to that. You know, I should have <laughs> probably taken a little bit more risk than what I did. But I learned I, I'm a singles and doubles guy. I, I really, truly believe that I'm never out to get a home run. And I have a friend, I have an fr- old friend of mine that's literally, you know, he's either going to be a billionaire or bust. Right. And I don't have that mentality, right? It's singles and doubles. It's okay to just do a little bit and hopefully you get somewhere further along. And I, that's suited me well over my career. That's great. So you, you mentioned the, the not having the co-captain uh, leadership structure. Sounds like that came from maybe a mentor early in your career. If so, kind of, can you tell us more about that mentor relationship and what value you got out of that? It did come from a mentor relationship. I've had many mentors over the years. I have one now that I think is, I would recommend it to anybody to have a mentor. I don't care who it is. I'll tell you, the mentor I have now is, comes from the most unlikely source. He's not like a Harvard educated guy. He comes from the school of hard knocks. He's an amazing guy that I have, I have, we have things that we both enjoy in common. And so I was able to ask him to go to lunch, breakfast one day, actually. And you know, he gave me a couple of nuggets that today are, I've implemented in my daily practice that have been, that's one of them that he talked to me early on. But the, the one most recently that he, he talked to me about that I'm using and I have to do, I'm a people pleaser by nature. Okay. That's what got me into the brokerage business Originally, I like to help people. I like to see things come to fruition. I like to fix. And he, and, but the problem with that is that because I'm a people pleaser, I may not be totally honest with people. And he's not honest is not the right word, but let's say coy a little bit and not in a bad way. Right. Don't want to hurt feelings. Let's just say I may not be direct and brutally honest gotcha. with someone. And so okay. what he said, and he knows me pretty well. He said he was able to say that to me. He goes, well, you know, you, you go by, you don't want to like make anybody feel bad. So you maybe not hit the nail on the head. And so going back to my leadership style too is be direct and brutally honest. And it suited me so now tactful is important of course. That component. Okay, so we can talk a little bit about leadership if you want. But like that's one of those components that help has really helped me because I've been able to have very difficult conversations with people that I really admire and like within my own company, clients, whomever, and in a constructive way. And for me, that's how I took it. And it may not be the how everybody takes it, okay. but for me, that's how I took it. And it's, it, it's a personality flaw that I have to a certain extent. Not that it's bad, but it's yeah. one of those that, that it, by seeing that, what he said, it allowed me to go change my, my daily activity and how I interact. Yeah, no, look at we all have strengths and weaknesses, and part of that is figuring out what those are and mm-hmm. how do you enhance your strengths. And you have to decide, I think, 
some weaknesses you may not be able to shore up. Some you can a little bit. You just got to you know, figure that out for yourself. And with the help of mentors and mm-hmm. being willing to take constructive feedback, you know, that you, that's how you kind of continue on the journey to improvement. Don't well, I'm you? a serial learner. I love to learn. I've been you know, doing it a long time. I'm in entrepreneurs organization, which has helped me. And I think you, you talked about starting a business. Having, I've been in an entrepreneurs organization for 10 years. I've been, I was the president of the organization for a year and I have gotten so much out of that organization from a learning standpoint that allowed me to get the company off the ground in 30 days was a true testament to the relationships and the learnings that I have from being there and, and taking the time to try to study those things. Yeah. So, so you mentioned a little bit about your leadership style. Let's go a little deeper on you and your philosophy and style of leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and kind of how you approach things and maybe where you learned that from and how it's evolved. Sure. I mean, I like to joke around, so that's part of it. I, I think it's being authentic and uh, being approachable is very important because I want to have you know, we can't be best friends with everybody in the company, but we're small. We're only 10 people, right? We have to enjoy each other's company. And so I'd much rather everybody come to me and with their challenges, you know, have the ability to have conversation about things. I'm not a micromanager, so that's a big deal. I believe, I truly believe if someone has a job, they're going to do it. If they don't do it right, let's have a conversation. Let's ask questions and, and figure out how to solve for it. And, but it's not about sitting there and, overseeing them and making sure they do everything, you know, the way I would do it. Cause they may have a different approach to the same problem and get it right. done just as well. And so I've learned from that, but for me, that's a, a big deal. And yeah, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, there's a lot of components of leadership that are very challenging. Some are very fun and some are very hard, oh, yeah. right? We can't be a pushover, but at the same time you, you have to set those boundaries so I think we have a really good balance of that. But part of it is to have fun and enjoy what we do and enjoy walking into that office every day. So that's a little bit of the component of our culture. Yeah. So you mentioned your habitual learner. Yeah. Where do you go for resources and learning? I know you mentioned entrepreneur organization mm-hmm. and in the group there, but any resources, you know, books you do, read, seminars you've attended, you know. I've, I've done the Entrepreneur's Master's Program at um, the Endicott House at MIT through EO, which has been an amazing learning experience. But the everyday thing, I mean, there's a couple books I love. I mean, the, you know, Jim Collins, Get to Grace, probably the best, greatest business book ever written. Right. But just beyond that, the Great by Choice, he wrote the, wrote the second book. And he had a couple, when I started this business, he said something in that book that really caught my attention. It was about decision making. And it was, you know, the low risk, low cost, low distraction. Have you heard that? Yeah. And it's about, you know, when you take a rifle shot before you throw the cannonball out there and, you know, take, is it going to be cost effective? Can you do it without breaking the bank? Is it risk averse enough to you where you're not blowing the whole company up or yourself up personally? But the one that really got me was that low distraction. Because think about the things that we do in our life that take us on tangents that are very distracting and don't really provide what we want out of it. I was like, I mean, that blew my mind. I was one of those things to me personally that was, okay, I need to be really careful about that particularly because that really sets the tone yeah. for what we do every day. It really speaks to time, right? Um, time is valuable and how you spend it can make or break things. Absolutely. Uh, so that's one of them. I mean, I, you know, I love Brene Brown. Yeah. And I'm not a reader as much as I listen to Audible books and I or podcasts, and and I really love 
learning that way or watching speakers speak. And that's why, why I like the, the EO stuff so much. But, the, you know, you know, the Brene Brown had that thing about trust sure. that I really, I really love. And, you know, she talked about that thing, you know, where trust is built on reliability, accountability, integrity, and generosity. Yep. And if you think about this, so one thing that got me in my past relationships. Boundaries as well. Boundaries. The braving, braving acronym. Braving, yeah. Right. And thank you. Yes. And. I read a little to bit. To name a few, you know, I know. And I, that one got my attention. So think about someone that's per, habitually late to a meeting or to to something you know that breaks trust yeah. right and i was forever i you know i was like man that really bugs me but how do i understand that? and that's one of those things that you know with that acronym allowed me to sort of put things in perspective and understand who, you know i picked my friends and my relationships through some of that and it's you know i didn't really understand how to put that together without so that, that was fascinating to me also. Yeah, her work's really great. You're not the first to mention sure her uh, as is good to great. I, you know, I said that those are two things that I've relied on personally as well a lot and, and at being a leader and, and just a person. But I think you're right. That braving acronym and how she talks about being vulnerable is really good stuff. Applying it into business, not just personal. Absolutely. Um, this is, you know, business is, for me, it has to be both work and play. It's it's both because I want to work so I can play. I don't want to get so old that I'm not playing ever. So you know, there's, you know, that's going back to leadership in the office. I promote work life balance. I think everybody needs to take their breaks and do the things that they are passionate about. You know, rodeo is a big thing in our office this year. A lot of people took off for rodeo, and it's hard as a business for everybody to take off. But you know what? That's their passion. They loved it. And I'm so glad to be able to support that. That's and then right. it's a, and it's also a charitable organization. Sure, it's really part of our city, right? Well, I think what you were what you were alluding to earlier, I, I believe wholeheartedly. When we're at work, we're in relationships. So we you know we tend to have learned about relationships, and you know, outside the office, family, friends, whatever. And then we get to the office, and we just think it's work. But we're really in relationships with our coworkers, with the organization as well. Right. But and those same relationship principles apply. In, in the corporate and business context. And the more, I feel like the more we think about that and talk about it that way, the more cohesive a culture can be within a company. I agree completely. I mean, our business, our entire, so I look at it two ways. Broker, or we're in a brokerage business. We're in a service-based industry. How do I get people over to my office versus the big national companies that have bigger platforms, better resources, and all those things? A lot of it's culture. The other side of it is building relationships. My business is completely built on relationships that I've had either for a long time or built over many years. It's all referral-based almost entirely. And without that and having the right demeanor and mentality for that, we would have failed long ago, right? right? So I completely believe in that relationship from a client perspective. But the other side of it is from a brokerage firm perspective, my client is my brokers and my employees, so it's important for me to make sure we take care of those guys so they can be successful. I want to see them be successful. Yeah. I want them to make a lot of money. If money's not for them, I want them to be happy. I want them to enjoy their time, right? Yeah. So what else can you do? I don't think there's any other part of it than that I could affect, essentially, in their daily life. I agree. So, you know, we've been coming out of this pandemic now, and there's been a lot written recently and on the, what they used to call the Great Resignation or was called the Great Resignation. Seems to be the pendulum starting to swing a little bit back. And you, know, you mentioned work-life balance. Obviously, during the pandemic, you have had zero turnover. But what are some of the things you're doing to promote work-life balance? How has some of the 
work from home things impacted your business at all, positively or negatively? Sure. Great question. The I think we're in a position today more than ever that working from home is something that will stay with us probably for a very long time. I'm not sure 100%. The people that I know that are 100% work from home will desperately want to be back in the office. A lot of them desperately want to be back in the office. Sure. But the, some are bigger companies that can't really do that yet. To me, I think it's an important component. I think we'll, I will always have the ability for someone to work from home parts of the week. Right. The problem is the little things that happen on a daily basis that you need something or want to have an interaction. It's missing from a work from home scenario and it's caught us a little bit already, right? We've had to modify some of the practices that we had because out of sight, out of mind. Everybody's saying that, hey, you're not there, you're not doing the work. Well, she this let's say this woman's actually doing the work and doing a great job at it, but because they don't believe, they don't see her, it's not the reality. And that's not true. Right. But I think we've had to adjust and adapt to that, which which I think we'll continually do. But for that person, for example, it's important to be able to work from home one, two, three days a week. And that's okay, so long as the work's getting done, in my opinion. But that's not the way everybody sees it. So it's very bad. I think the balance there is going to be interesting as we progress. I think so, too. It got thrust on us, and you had to have radical mindset shifts that's tough to shift that quick in, in some respects. Yes. And I think you're seeing people find a try to find a more happy medium versus the extreme. But I think some people want to just be at the office 100% of the time. Some people want flex. Just even having some flexibility solves some of the problem because they're not told they have to be in the office and wear a tie every day. Right? That's right. right? So the, the world is, is shifting to a certain extent in that regard. So... We talked about a lot of things, cover a lot of subjects. I'd just kind of like to ask you if, if there are two or three things you would tell someone out there that's thinking of starting their own business. You know, what are, you know, if you're going to do this, here are two or three things that you got to do or think about before or as you launch. What would be your wisdom or insight on that? From an entrepreneurial standpoint, Absolutely. starting a business? Yes. Well, I mean, First off, starting a business is, is a daunting task for a lot of people, including myself. And I think if I were to look at just rearview mirror and reflection on what I've done and not having done it earlier in my career is probably a regret that I have. I, I think you got to just do it and find a way to do it. And But, you know, be smart. Right. Do your research and make sure you have some resources behind you to do it properly. But I think the key there is don't be afraid to ask for help. There's a lot of resources around town, whether local or national, that can help you start a business. But there's components to starting a business that are important. There's a financial component, whether you understand books and records, you understand how to hire and fire. You know, there's, I mean, being an entrepreneur is, has its set of challenges. But I think at the end of the day, believing in yourself to do it earlier than later is a big deal. And I would, I think that's a regret that I have not doing that sooner as, when I was really younger I'd be in a much different position today, yeah. I think, even with the business that we have. Yeah. But I probably wouldn't have learned as much from the failures that it's I true. had in terms you know, so. It's like you've had an amazing journey. So first, let me say those are great points that should be heeded by anyone out there. But you, know, you wouldn't be where you are but for where you've been. That's right. And right. So I think it's good to be able to reflect and, and then learn from that. So 
Great stuff, Josh. I, I want to turn to a little bit lighter side. And Perfect. you mentioned earlier you grew up in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, I grew up in, outside of Boston. So what you have several hobbies. Tell us what, what are some of your uh, favorite hobbies? I love, okay, I, I love, I'm a serial hobbyist, Chris. So <laughs> uh, I have a lot of hobbies. I've done some crazy things and, and enjoy a lot of them. Some I won't do again. I love downhill skiing. I love to, I love to ski. I've always loved to ski. I love to race cars. Which is a crazy, you know, passion. So going fast, there's two. Yeah, two going. So I guess yeah. part of it's going fast. The real truth is, I'm not sure I love going super fast, but I love turning. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> going fast, I guess, helps the turning part. But All right. So those are a couple of my favorite hobbies. Well, so I know you, was it high school you moved to Texas? So you, yes. you've been here long enough to kind of be a Texan. Oh, yeah. So question I ask everybody is, what's your favorite, Tex-Mex or barbecue? Man, I love both. And I'm, I love to find the best of both, you know, concepts. Because I am in the rest. you know, we do quite a bit of restaurant real estate. Sure. But if you had to put me on the spot, I'm going to go with barbecue. All right. Very good. So if you could take a sabbatical for a month, where would you go? What would you do? So if you ask my wife, she'd be like, oh, he can't sit still. So <laughs> I'm not sure there's a great answer to that question. Although I would probably take a couple days at the beach. And then go find a place to learn something new. So, you know, I don't know what that would be today, whether it's kite surfing or, you know, I've heard, I think part of it is to travel. I really love to travel and just go explore and see new cultures. You know, someone um, did this and I love the idea of it, but it's, so it goes back to traveling, but it's going to people's houses when you travel, go find, you know, you know, go to a country where you can go to meet the, a native person in those countries and enjoy, you know, those non-touristy side of, of travel. That, so yeah. that'd be something I'd probably spend quite a bit of time. Kind of a cultural immersion. I love that. Well, great. Well, listen, Josh, this has been great hearing your story. I appreciate you taking the time to come talk to us and really couldn't thank you enough. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And there we have it. Another great episode. Don't forget to check out the show notes at BoyerMiller.com forward slash podcast. And you can find out more about all the ways our firm can help you at BoyerMiller.com. That's it for this episode. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you next time.